Hello, this is Joe Watkins and Travis Castle, and we are bringing you our new podcast that we just named today, The Big Truths of Small Business, presented by... Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent. Property yes, it is presented by Yes, I Rent. So, so Travis, we, we, we started to name this podcast out of the, the, the simple belief that if we just discussed things that were real as it related to small business, we think that applies back to life and many other things, but we thought if we just keep it real, that we're, we're not going to have a podcast where we're, we're, uh, we're somehow trying to, to, to appease the, the, the listening audience. Mm-hmm. That whether it be uh, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, disagree, not, di- I- I'm looking for the truth here. And that's why we named it the, the big truth of small business. We're not coming with the truth. We're trying to reveal truths. And today we have another friend of mine on our podcast as our second guest. His name is Stephen Bovey, Bovey, I should say. And uh, should I applause on that one? Well, well I don't have. Well, track. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little behind on that, but we can do that. This is Stephen Beauvais. He deserves and, it. Oh, wrong no, one. No, he's not laughable. There he is. There it is. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get this right. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> and uh, he runs a, a small business, and it is a heating and air. He's basically a mechanical contractor. Heating and air, electrical, and plumbing. It's called High Trust Homes. Kind of the and, Henry County market, Panhandle, Clayton. Yeah, that area. And I, I think you know, I think the uniqueness of of Stephen on the 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 front end of our podcast is that when we're talking about seeking truth, I think he's the guy to help us get there. I think that I think that the experience here is 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 vastly different than than a lot of small business guys. And from that experience comes some some different kind of thinking. I think it's good for the podcast. So, Stephen, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Stephen. One of the things that interested me about this podcast was, you know, we live in the social media age now where, you know, uh, and now that I've got kids coming of age, uh, 18, 19 years old, and starting to get interested in more stuff than just girls or boys and starting to try to figure out how to make money. (laughs) And I see what they're watching. And I go, oh, man, <laughs> that guy on YouTube, I, I tell you what, A, that car's rented. He'll be taking it back after the video. It's not his house. <laughs> and he didn't make a million dollars in the first 30 days of flipping houses. <laughs> uh, and so that stuff has bothered me. So so this, this for me is pretty cool because we get real guys been doing this stuff generally a long time. And they can look back and give the unfiltered truth, maybe even to that generation that's listening, which is in stark contrast because you're not trying to sell anybody anything on the podcast. There's nothing to no. sell here. This is just, we get to get we're talking, some nuggets. We're talking philosophy. We're trying to reveal some nuggets. I'm going to give a little, a little high level background of Steven and then Steven, you, you fill some gaps for us. Sure thing. So I, I met Steven, uh, probably gosh, 2004. Is that what that's about right? Yeah, 2004. Uh, and we were, we went to church together and, uh, at the time, he had recently come back from a long period of time in fundamentally a jungle environment mm-hmm. as a missionary. Yeah. And, and, right. dur- and during that, and he raised his, his family, a uh, young family in the, in, the mission, in the mission field there. And, uh, and so my exposure 
to Stephen at that point was was through a motorcycle group and sort of this uh, raw, uh, fresh out of the jungle guy and all of his experiences and thought processes. And it was just very, just, just today as I'm just as seeking the truth and seeking like just real wisdom, I was attracted to Steve through the conversations that ensued back then. And, and then so from there, he acclimates himself and family to America, which was very, very, very different <laughs> and, and finds himself moving through a couple of small businesses, having some, some successes and failures and he lands in, in this current small business. I mean, that's kind of the short version. Yeah. Right. That's pretty good. Um, but from all that, there's some key, key things that, that, uh, that I think are unique and, and, uh, give a, give a quick, uh, better understanding to the audience about your experience as a missionary. Well, uh, I think it's worth saying that, uh, to begin with, my parents were missionaries. And is a very typical thing for missionary kids to grow up and do what they know. Uh, I was very good at language. Um, by the time I came back to the U.S. when I was 18, I spoke to two foreign languages fluently and in English quite well. Uh, but I, I would have to say I was barely American at that point. So um, you 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 grew up in Indonesia abroad in Indonesia. Yeah. Okay. And I was living up in the highlands with uh, an indigenous group up there. And it was, uh, again, very raw, very primitive living circumstances. Uh, so I came back that way. And a lot of the things that I thought were normal, uh, I spoke of uh, you know, offhand as having done this or that. And I was only mentioning it because I was making some kind of connection. Mm. And people thought I had to be you know, lying, you know, who, who in the world ever has done that, you know? So I very quickly, uh, buckled down and, and, and learned that there were a lot of things I had been involved in. in my and lifetime. what age was this when you were, I back? was 18, 19, 20, okay. 21, okay. right in there. Yeah. I was learning very quickly. There's just a whole lot of stuff. You might as well not say it. Right. Uh, they're not going to believe you. Uh, they're not going to get it. And as normal as it seems to you, it, it's absolutely bizarre in their ears. So really I wasn't at home here at all. And, uh, to jump ahead, I very quickly went into uh, my own training as an adult, uh, was married, had a child, went to Venezuela and ended up living and working with, uh, an indigenous group down in the, uh, Amazon territory of Venezuela. And, um, I was very good at learning languages. I understood other cultures and, uh, and I ended up being there for a little over 20 years. Wow. So uh, when I came back, now that was at, at about the 15 or 16-year point when I met you. Uh, but for the most part, I was basing out of the U.S. at that point. And I really discovered that uh, I was very good at being almost any other culture, Indonesian, uh, Hobongan, Hoti, Spanish, you know, Venezuelan, I was better at all that than I was at being an American. I was an oddball here. So uh, I had a couple rough years, and then I realized I'm going to apply exactly what I've done every time I went to another country in another circumstance. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply that here, and I'm going to become the best American I know how to be. And that, that means I spent a lot of time listening and observing and imitating. 
Well, that's powerful. Listening, imitating. In, in, our, in our culture today, it, uh, it feels like we're, 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 we're doing a lot of the opposite. We're trying to do a lot of espousing. <laughs> we're not doing a lot of listening. So that's, so that's interesting. Um, so, Travis, imagine being with indigenous people. <clears throat> no, I'm trying. I'm trying in, to wrap in, my in head around that. In a land unknown, in a language unknown. And, and whether you want to call this a small business or not, I, I appreciate the fact there wasn't maybe a, 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 you know, do this work and get paid for it type mm-hmm. thing happening. But again, we, we feel like that the small business here podcast relates back to a lot of other places in life. I mean, you, you, you were having to figure out how to create connections with folks. Cause ultimately, oh, yeah. ultimately you're trying to, bring the gospel to a indigenous people. Mm-hmm. So you had to figure out how to build trust yes. over a period of time. Ultimately we can call that sales mm-hmm. business. And we're, that's what we're doing. We're trying to d- develop a rapport and develop a trust. So they listen to what we have to tell them. Yeah. And, uh, and you did that, uh, uh, w- without even knowing the language. Um, and, and to fast forward, uh, it was, was it the Hoti? Yes. Folks that you wrote the language for? Yeah, we, we created an alphabet so that their already spoken language could be written and then went on, of course, to uh, produce a lot of materials in their language, health materials, uh, Bible translation, that sort of thing. So so the background here that, I, that as we move forward in talking about small business is that, uh, that Stephen, I think this is fascinating, that Imagine taking something like uh, the Bible, believe it or not, it's still a, a feat here to take the Bible, uh, the Hebrew. You took the Hebrew, which mm-hmm. you had to you had to learn Hebrew in order to yes. to learn the Hebrew, mm-hmm. and you took the Hebrew, tried to really understand the the the, 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 the exact meaning of that and yes. interpret that in this new language that y'all created to convey the same meaning. I mean, I think that's pretty. I think you yeah. got to get pretty deep with understanding of, 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 of how people think and, and, and just how language works and all no, that. No pressure whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. No pressure. In how many languages do you speak? Uh, well, including English, five. Five languages. Okay. Five living languages. There's some that because are dead that you're not speaking. Hebrew and Greek are not really they're not spoken. Really, yeah, we're talking about ancient languages. So, so seven altogether. It would be fair to say. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. So in the, in the, uh, in the context of business, how would you, what would be your, to start this conversation, take all the, the, the sort of the history of your missionary work. Now you're in small business. You're doing mm-hmm. American HVAC plumbing and electrical work. Yeah. How is that interacting? What, what are you, how, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you finding? You know, you know, what, what are you pulling from? The f- first thing that comes to my mind is what we've all heard. That people really don't care very much uh, about much of anything except how you make them feel, mm-hmm. right? The way that you make a person feel is much more important. If, if you demonstrate respect, admiration, interest, that, that's how you establish rapport with people. And obviously that, that was, you know, step one in every new place that I lived and 
And when I wanted to, to learn their language, when I worked hard to get a grip on it, they were fascinated by my interest. They were flattered. And they threw their shoulder into uh, pushing me forward and, and, and giving me every advantage they could in learning their language. Mm. When I came to the U.S., once I got over the, the initial culture shock, that's exactly what I did. I began to team up with people, and they discovered I would listen and do almost anything they said. And uh, so people were very willing to coach me, to mentor me. And, oh, sure, you receive a huge mixture of varying kinds of advice. And that's where you have to still, at the end of the day, be your own man and and figure out what's right for you because we're just all so different at the Mm -hmm. same time. So kind of you know, boiled down to, to the very nut of it. We, we're, we're saying you, one of the first things you've got to do to be successful in business is listen to other people. Humbly open your mind and listen to what everyone has to say. Well, that's huge. Travis, you got a lot to say about that matter. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that uh, Jerry talked about, he kept referring to a mentor, a mentor. There was apparently this one guy in his life that was kind of the sounding board and sort of the, the truth you know, and speaking in his life. So you coming back, I guess, color the picture a little bit more. So I see you coming back here at, at 18. Was that uh, permanent at 18? Yes. When, when I was, uh, coming, coming back from Indonesia with my parents. Okay. I see. Uh, but then you went back for 20 years. Then I went to Venezuela, a completely different country for 20 years. You came back here around 40. Yes. From that. Okay. Yes. So, so, so you come back now, you're not a kid. You don't look not like a kid. You look like, you know, we would have no clue about any of this looking at you. You look like us, right? Yes. So you land here at 40, you got to make a living here. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is, I mean, you've been, you do stuff with your hands. You're that guy mm-hmm. kind of naturally. Yep. So did you meet a guy? Did you have a mentor? Was there a, a guy that took you under his wing? Was there any version of that? Or were you just kind of a, uh, you watched everybody and gleamed a little bit from, from everybody? I I would say that I, I was watching a lot of people and learning from a lot of people. But there was one particular individual that I learned more from than anyone else. And that's how I got involved in uh, flipping uh, properties, you know, buying, renovating, and selling. Okay. Um, the uh, good thing, though, is that if you do have your own mind about things, you're able to glean the very best that another person has to offer, but you can also then go on to uh, produce maybe a different variant of their methodologies or plans. Uh, but you've got to be listening to other people. You can't just listen to your own your own thoughts in addition to theirs. It's got to be a lot of input, and you're spending a lot of time sorting and, and giving consideration to many, many different viewpoints. So um, the time came when I moved on. And um, I don't think it would be wrong to say that I excelled beyond what I had actually been mentored in up to that point. Uh, it was desperate times for me. I had to make some decisions and, and do some things. And uh, for a time, I was pretty much the only guy closing any uh, sales in Henry and Clayton County. It's because of relationships I'd built with the banks here. So that... That's going to lead me around to the word integrity. Mm. Yeah, well, 
So, so do, not not to get off of it, how old are you now? So we're getting this timeline. I'm, of, of I'm 56 years 56. old. 56. So we're going back 15, 16 years ago, starting yes. from having to come here, get acclimated, relearn how to be an American, yes. as you say. And so in the last 16 years is this business journey we're talking about today. Yes. So the interesting thing is, just to draw a little correlation at this church uh, that we both attended, uh, there were some individuals there that were into uh they were into some real estate, creative transactions and flipping and different uh, things going on. And, and, and we both got an entryway through doing some business with those guys. And that was, that was, you know, I'm a, I was a Chick-fil-A operator back then. And that was sort of my entryway into real estate was through the same guys that was his entryway. So before he did what he's doing now, he was, he was doing flipping houses and, 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 and in real estate and his, his buyer, his 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 field was the mission guys, the mission mm-hmm. the, the missionaries. You know that was that's what he knew. So he knew that they needed some some vehicles for retirement, and so he tapped into some of that. And uh, so yeah, it was, we, we had some some parallel mm-hmm. stuff going on at that time. Yep. Just just as a side note, so I live in Coweta <clears throat> County. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like this here. You, you guys have so many more guys that are into the real estate, this or that. In Henry County, Georgia, which makes sense because Henry County, you know, I don't know how old this stat is, it's, it's old, but, you know, it was in the top 10 fastest growing counties in, in the United States for a long time. Oh, for like 10 plus years. They just and, built, and it, built and built. And, and it still is. Mm-hmm. Is it still? It, it got back in. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting to come here and get in real estate. There's also just more entrepreneurial, yeah. maybe smart guys what over here that? in this, I mean, in this it area. Just absolutely. Yeah, true. I mean, I mean, let's don't make it all about you know the the area. I mean, there's just some smart well, guys. I mean, over the, here. the the area lends itself. I mean, if if, if we were digging oil, intelligence wells, matters. If, here. if, if oil wells say. were popping up out of the backyard, we'd have a lot of oil guys. Well, right? coming I mean, around back to the concept of of I mean, mentoring. Yeah. I mean, what if all these really amazing guys are mentoring other? Really amazing guys. Well, that's what I'm doing with Travis right now. I've been, tra- I've been working on that. Uh, by the way, Steve, failing miserably. <laughs> Complete fail- failure. <laughs> you can't deny it. It's, an, it's, it's a unique little area, though. That, well, yeah, yeah because area, there was so much opportunity in real estate, well, so many guys yeah, involved in it, that it just, yeah, just it lend itself to it. Yeah. Trying to say anybody could do it is what I'm trying to say. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about <laughs> no, that. No. I mean, it, it did take a, a, some bright guys to actually to perform in this arena. It did. Yeah, it it did. Did. yeah. You're really, you're really bright. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, so let, let's get in. Let's get in then to one of the things we we've discussed before we turn the microphones on, which is, so you're watching guys, you're getting mentored by a guy, but you're kind of flying past that because it. I mean, you're having to flex a muscle that they probably yeah. don't have to flex. I mean, you were in the have to situation, which is actually which pretty- is somewhat scary. Yes, not, it's not it's not that scary. Not scary. It's not that scary. <laughs> no. But but you had to. I mean, there's no motivation like that. So I, I think it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah. Uh, it it began a series of 24, 36 hour, no sleep, create another business plan hammer it out, get it put together and present it to the, to the bank president or whoever I could get before. And, 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 and then seeing it succeed. Like you said, when you've heard, you've heard, and you said this tonight, but I think I can add to this. When you say the necessity is the mother of invention, Mm -hmm. I think it's also necessity is the mother of clarity. 
Mm-hmm. Like you, you get super clear. Yeah. What your goals are. That's right. I got to pay like next month's bills. Yeah. That's pretty clear. Yeah. I, I'm not building some dream empire. I got to pay next month's bills. Let's get real here. Yeah. And there's nothing <laughs> like the impossible. I say the impossible. You don't need $800. You need $40,000. Right. And you need it next week. Yeah. This is the birth of bigger ideas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I believe that. So, so if you broke it down, that's a big part of the fuel right there is, yeah. is the have to. Yeah. I just, I put, I and and this was in Jerry's story too. Like this is this a, is, this is a weave that we can weave through a lot of small I, 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 I mean, I would say some of the, the early truth from the, the, the truth podcast here. See, I just sure I just renamed the it. big truths. I just renamed small the, the truth, <laughs> truth podcast. Is there, there's some pain and suffering yeah. along the way. All right. So, so you were flipping houses. This is different than what you're doing now. Yes. Okay. So, so what, what was the conversion from flipping houses to, you know what, I'm going to, somebody's going to pay me to repair something. Well, you know, I, I had seen what it was like to have several employees, you know, 20, 25 employees, the uh, responsibilities that, that attached to that. Uh, I also saw that there were ways of going forward in business where possibly every dollar that you made was solid. You didn't blink and suddenly see $15,000 gone because you gave somebody authority to make decisions and they made a bad one. So I began to kind of draw back as I saw that the uh, housing market was diminishing. I made a decision that the only investors that I would further sell properties to had to come with at least 50% of, of the payment in cash. I was okay with me if they financed the other 50%, but at least 50%. I knew this would put them in a strong cash position. And, and of course, obviously, that's going to diminish the number of uh, investors real quick. Right. So, uh, but that was a decision, decision that I made. And, uh, and right on the heels of that, I realized I'm going to have to go into something else. So, you know, it, it really boils down to what do people need? And uh, they need plumbing fixed. When it's leaking through their ceiling or coming out across the floor, and you're looking at forty or $50,000 of damage very shortly if you don't do something, this really enters into the area of need. Uh, when people are freezing in the winter, when they're boiling in the summer, this enters into the category of need. A lot of, a lot of things that people buy they don't need. They could do perfectly well with the thing they already have. But when it comes to heating and cooling, plumbing, and electricity, this is really super important stuff. So in keeping with my own value system, I had to be able to sell things that I thought people really needed. And uh, so that's, that's one of the reasons I landed there. Another reason that I went for it is because I realized, look, if I cross-train, and I'm really good at troubleshooting in all three areas, I've got a leg up on the average contractor. So that was another reason that I, that I went for. I think, I think you also uh, went there because you have a natural uh, inclination for uh, problem solving. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that, and that those mechanical contracting uh, 
you know, venues give you that ability to solve those problems. So you enjoy that. Yes. I think that's important. I think it's important that we choose things that we enjoy. How many employees do you have right now? None. Okay. I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. This is the first challenge for tonight. Yeah, do we have any challenge music? Uh, challenge music. Okay. Uh, no, no, definitely not. That's challenge is no. Listen, I gotta get some new stuff here, but that's, I'm I'm well, learning it. I'm that working on it. Kind of magical. Okay, okay. That's the challenge was magical. Here we go. Just a failure, right there. Challenge. That's it. Maybe. That's okay, that was it. Challenge. Challenge. It's a daunting challenge. This isn't dun, a daunting dun, dun, challenge. Dun, 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 I don't know dun, if I dun, can dun. handle this. All right, so you had at some point, and I, I feel you, you had, you had 20, 25 or so people on payroll, which means you got to keep you got to keep doing Now mm-hmm. you're in business. Like you're in volume business now. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> I, I feel that. And you had some people maybe either betray your trust or maybe a level of just uh, incompetency of some type, or or, or, or whatever. So something got away from you there, with that level of people. Well, in in short, I just realized that I was ne- not nearly as free because once I had an employee, I was committed, committed. to fully Absolutely. keeping them employed, right. which reduced pretty much all of my freedom. Right. I would die before I would let one go. Right. So I, I couldn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. My question with you now, though, and it's a question I ask. So I got a few buddies. I, I've been in, in doing property management for 15, 16. I've been saying 12 years, but I realize I've been saying that for four years. For four years. All right, so yeah. it's, it's six, 16 years or so. So about your journey here. Um, and one of the things I tell some of the guys, especially as we begin to need guys that actually have crews, we need to be, we, and we end up having a need for guys that are in business versus a uh, a guy that can do a job sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things, and one of the guys I've kind of mentored and sort of brought along and brought along, but sort of maxed out at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, my question to him is this. So my question to you would be this. So the give up here, and I know you've thought this through from knowing you for an hour. Um, you hurt your back walking out of here tonight. You slip and fall. Yeah. The, the old slip and fall. By the way, if you're going to do it, do it on Joe's house. Okay. He's insured. You'll get paid. Oh, thanks for that. Okay. I'm going to eat some of his nuts. uh, Whoa. Whoa. uh, Whoa. Cashews, that is. The podcast just took a turn. (laughs) Um, How how do you deal with that now? How do you deal with the, uh, man, I'm sick. I got the Kenora virus today. My back's hurt. I physically can't go do the job, but I need to get paid. is that just the, the risk here of the one-man band? Is that what you is. accept? It is, but I, I have to say that I certainly accept the, the practical need to have some other plan for continuity, but so far I've been unable to find something that will work for me. So I am open, open very much open to it. Right. Um, and, but another thing that I do is I exercise a lot of caution. I don't ride motorcycles, for example. It's not because I think they're inherently dangerous that obviously I'll have a wreck. No, it's just that you're inherently dangerous on that. But I am inherently <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> um, actually, he if actually anybody is. should have had many, many motorcycle accidents, I suppose it would be me, but uh, I, I, I didn't. But I, I try to uh, avoid doing the kind of things that are higher risk. So I don't spend much time on any kind of roof. You know, I stay down lower. I try to, to you know, I'm, I'm very cautious. 
So uh, that's so, the best so, I can do. Right so now. it filters other. So that decision affects other personal things you're going to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm coming off that decision. So Joe and I merged businesses back in October, and it, it was it was me and an assistant. Mm-hmm. But all decisions were here. And one of the things that was on my mind is, man, as I get older, stuff happens. This this show shuts down. You know, I go out the door for 30 days. We're done. Yeah. And that weighed on me. So I imagine you've put a lot of thought and that weighs on you on some level uh, with, with your version yes. of it. All right. That's it. Not much it of a challenge there, but he handled it pretty well. I mean, over the last couple of years, me and Stephen talked about that. Uh, just in, just in, you know, tossing around some thoughts. And I think, I think everyone, every one of us have to think about our small business and go, yeah, I get in a car wreck on the way home. Not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I just, but, but I, I can't, I can't do business anymore. Now what? Do I have a, a structure that continues to pay the bills or at least an insurance policy? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. it can be an insurance policy, by the way. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I do know. Yeah, exactly. I, I do know some owner operators in the HVAC arena who have some close friends that are owner operators. And, and that's kind of how they go on vacation and do different things. Mm-hmm. They begin feeding. Hey, man, I'm going to be out of town for this weekend. Yeah. Can you cover me sort of stuff? I mean, that's got a shelf life, but that's kind of an interim type yeah. deal. So. so, Stephen, when you uh, um, when you think about the. Let's talk a little bit about the brain, mm-hmm. the human brain. I know you've put a lot of thought into this over, over time. And uh, it's interesting. Um, I think it's, it becomes very interesting as you have an organization of people and you're, and you're trying to figure out how to get everybody moving mm-hmm. in a direction. And, uh, and so in the context of that, uh, the things we say, the the way we think, the decisions we make, man, they have they have they have impact mm-hmm. on, on this group of people. Yes, and uh, and you can talk to all varieties of folks, and they have different opinions about how they would manage those people, or move those people, or yes. motivate those people. Uh, and maybe there's a lot of different truths to a lot of those those folks, but um, you you had a big large group of people at one time elected not to have that at this point but you got experience with it and uh i think it's interesting because i think you have a lot of in your study of people over the years um to, to accomplish some things you've done you've got some things to say about it and uh i'd like to to, to delve into that a little bit here sure is uh i'm not sure exactly the angle here other than um when it comes to uh Let's just call it the people that are closest to us in our business, and uh, you know that that could be your partner, that could be some. It's their spouse, mm-hmm. some it's the right hand man. It's their. It could be a variety of those types of folks. Um, what what comes to your mind in terms of um, being effective? Uh, understanding what your what what the real goal should be in concert with these types of people to be successful in business maybe in other relationships as well what spark a conversation around this sure um well for me uh, you know the name of my company is high trust homes 
um, that kind of split off into high trust heating and air, high trust mechanicals. It's easy to to uh, apply it whichever way I need it to go. But in general, I've just stuck with homes. I just left it a little bit generic. Um, folks are fine with that, and they understand it's mechanicals at this point. You just have to repeat yourself a lot. But as far as the the idea of, of how I view uh, the proper way for me to go forward in life and, and to build my business, it's always centered around this concept of being what you really are. People know this or they sense something is wrong. So when people meet you, do they get this strong sense that you're exactly what they think they see? You're exactly what you sound like through and through. That's you. And so because integrity is so important to me and I consider any lack of adherence to solid integrity to be a slippery slope that you just, you take one step outside that, what's to keep you from taking another and another? So I try to stay very, very tight, centered tightly around this concept of integrity. Well, my point being that as I develop a relationship with a client and with other contractors, subcontractors, who I consider to be part of my team, including my clients, many of them I consider them to be a part of it, and they think that they're part of my team. Uh, you might think, well, it would be awkward, you know, being really close to some of your clients. It could be. In some cases, it is. But there are plenty of clients out there who have their own businesses, for one thing, and others who don't necessarily fall in that category, but they view themselves as having valuable advice, life experience, or in some way or another. And, and I actually, I sign these people up. I tell them what I need. I, re- I recall when I needed to make my first trip back to Indonesia for the sake of my wife and her family. She'd been away from them for, for five years. I needed to take her back. She needed to see her family. It had to be done. And so I set out to accomplish it. And I incorporated a number of my clients in this, in this process. They knew I was going away. I asked them to stand with me, that I was saving for the trip, that I would be gone for a month, and that I was trusting that I could count on their business when I got back, even though I wouldn't be able to do anything for those, those 30 days. They were excited to join forces with me to see this happen. So this was kind of the birth in my mind of a whole new open uh, forum for communicating what I was up to with so many more people instead of treating them just as clients. In fact, they, they became even that much deeper loyal to your business. They did. Through that revealing and opening yourself up to your own personal situation, who you are. Yes. Uh, people, uh, ultimately, I think people are attracted to integrity. Yes. Even the people that lack integrity are very attracted to integrity. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. and, and they're attracted to, to, to people who they believe they can trust and, and are honest. And so I think that's a great core 
value that doesn't always penetrate through all through all small business. Yeah. It's not easy oftentimes. I got one that's between the years here, Steve, and I, I think about uh, I have a conversation with a buddy of mine who's a uh, he paints houses. Uh, he's done some for us. Um, but it's uh, same decision of, as yours. You know what? I really don't want employees. I really don't want to be managing a bunch of books and a bunch of people. I want to go. I want to go paint houses ultimately. Um, and so that's what he does. Uh, but when he's in that house, it's just him. He paints vacant houses. <laughs> he doesn't even have really, for the most part, the homeowner interaction or the satisfaction of some interaction with uh, somebody that's paying for a service. And so what he and uh, what what we talk about a lot, um, on a very regular basis, he kind of battles what he calls the uh, I, don't know, I can't remember how he phrases it. It's the the small business guy blues. Okay. Right. So you go on. So right now, it's one of the coolest things about this relationship. There's a there's a song in there. Is blues small business guy? Small blues. business guy blues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, oh, yeah, I got something about. So 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 right now, I I can call Joe and cry. Joe can call me and cry. There's some tremendous. I'm just telling you, coming off of Travis curses me out too. Sometimes, coming off of uh, yeah, sometimes he does. We'll, we'll need to edit that. C- coming off of ten years <laughs> of of being the one man band. You want to sing it real quick? Don't wanna be a one man band. Okay. Don't wanna be a Rolling Stone oh, alone, no. sitting miles on the run down van. All right. Uh, keep going. You keep going. I was oh, having yeah. a lot of fun over there. <laughs> I prefer to have a, 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 a guitar with me to get me on key, but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, so is this a real? How, how, how real is this? How do you manage that? Your bad day is is your bad day. Uh, there's no, I mean, there's no version of of, and, and this is so many people. When we say the small business, I mean, yeah. th- this is probably eighty percent of anybody that would say, "Oh, small business." Let's listen to these guys talk. Like this is a super real thing. Is dealing with. You're 100% responsible. It's 100% on you. How do, how do you how do you manage that? Well, uh, it may be the way that I choose to view it, which is if it's 100% on me, but I'm controlling all the liabilities, at least the great majority of them. Uh, when I install a water heater, I get that water hooked up first. It's testing for almost two hours maybe before I actually leave the site. If it's not been two hours and I haven't, you know, wrestled around on, on the various fi- fitments and fixtures and, and bits and pieces, I'm not leaving. But when I do leave, I don't plan to ever go back, you know, I'm, unless they need me for something else. So uh, controlling liabilities for me is so important because the damage that can be done by a water leak is almost unfathomable. It's like fire. Yeah. Uh, just so many things. And now, that's more in plumbing issues but it can occur in other areas as well so uh, when I control those liabilities that to me is super important and when I walk away I know how tempting it is when I have somebody else take care of something for me if I look at it and it looks good I let it go because I don't want to hound them you know I don't want to double check everything they do so you need to be able to trust them but good grief when it's a a three-quarter inch coupling of some kind and if it leaks it means sixty thousand dollars worth of damage then then you better go double check it so at the end of the day i double check everything anyway so yeah it's my way of looking at the uh 
at the liabilities that makes it okay for me to be alone. You're, you're, you're going to sleep at night with 100% assurance, right? I mean, so you're not taking that anxiety with you. No, I don't. Job. Six <laughs> o'clock at night, that's checked at the door. I think it's a, it's a real important point to make is that every small business doesn't need to aspire to be a bigger business. True. You know, I, I think part of the problem of American culture is more is better mm-hmm. in everything. Mm-hmm. That's just a automatic assumption. If I have something more, bigger, nicer, costs more, somehow that's better. Uh, I think as we age and wisdom sinks in, in a lot of these th- areas, we, we actually view it the opposite way. We go less is more. Yeah. The less I have, the less responsibility I have, the more th- less things that, that draw me in, then the more time and space I have to, to, to be free and to be me and not be tied to the stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. think it's okay to, uh, it, to do that. I think we all have to know who we are. I don't mm-hmm. think you're, so this it's comment true. doesn't is, mean I'm th- that th- guy. Th- this comment is not me saying you're tied to stuff. Cause I don't think Joe's tied to stuff, but as far as growing <laughs> and getting bigger, that's, oh, like, that's like listening to Bernie Sanders talk about capitalism right there. Well, what listen, are you talking about? Well, what I'm saying is, what are you is it's not, talking about? Hey, Travis, I, we need 20 new properties next month. Well, how, well, how many you got? We need 20. What I'm saying uh, is, is that every small business needs to understand who they are, mm-hmm. what they're capable of, what the outcomes or lack thereof are when you decide to go down these roads. And what I'm telling you is bring 20 properties in every freaking month <laughs> yeah. of rental properties because we're growing to a thousand properties, bud. You know, when we hit a thousand, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be 2000. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah, it could be. could be. Yeah. Growth. Growth is not necessarily growth in terms of uh, volume. It could be profitability. Absolutely. Uh, for me, what I have to constantly do is politely decline certain requests. Uh, there are various ways to do that. Sometimes you can serve their needs by bringing in a subcontractor that you trust, but that can also be a, a real tough you know, challenge to, to, to maintain a, a pool of really good subcontractors. That's quite a challenge at times. But regardless, if you decline the less profitable jobs and you continue to focus in, in my case, on the more profitable jobs that require more technical skill, but less weightlifting, perhaps, less brute labor, then obviously that's a way for me to grow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to suggest another way that you have uh, been able to obtain, uh, as, a, as a one-man band, to obtain a higher profitability is there is the idea that, that we are going to widgetize our business and we're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to put the same HVAC. If you just narrow it down, you're going to put the same HVAC part on over and over and over again throughout. You're going to do a preventive maintenance plan in the HVAC mm-hmm. world. And that's your business model. And you're just going to do it. You're going to be outfitted for that. And you're going to do a thousand of those. That's, that's a version. Mm-hmm. I think that version of business probably works better as a company grows. Yeah. 
I think in the one band band environment, it could be argued. I'm just, I'm not saying this is truth. I'm saying I'm seeking truth here. That's what we do in this show. We seek truth, Travis. We don't state truth. So <laughs> we are uh, pretty, pretty empty if there's no truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not like my dad. <laughs> Your dad's hey, Dan, you're out there. <laughs> Your dad's pretty, shout out to Dan. <laughs> so I'm thinking that, uh, that a, a, a model that people need to, to, to glean from your experience here is, I need to point this out, is that maybe more revenue and more profit is generated in a, in a one-man band or very small business with a couple people where you exercise the ability to leverage the, the high-trust, high-trust homes, yeah. the high-trust that you've created amongst a small group of customers. Mm -hmm. And you're able, based on that trust, to do more for them at a high trust level. And we all know in any business, when there's high trust, there's, there's, more, there's more dollars. You get paid more when you have high trust. I mean, that's just how it works. That's right. And so why go create a new lower trust client? Yeah. Because you got to charge less for the low trust client. That's how you make entry. Mm -hmm. Unless you or you're big now, big companies brand themselves and they're able to get the, that that high dollar because of of the money and the and the and the, the size and the yeah. brand they've created. But in the small guy world, no. you're doing it through personal relationships and connections, and you you can't do that everywhere. Yeah, and so you've you've selected uh, you know a, a group of, of clients that you can serve at a higher level. Thus, thus the when the trust barrier has been. Re, 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 you know, created, it reduces the sale process. For instance, you get a phone call that says, I got X, Y, Z, this broke, come fix it. Yeah. There's no, I got X, Y, Z broke, come out here and quote it. Yeah. You're not getting that anymore. Just come and fix it. Come fix it. Uh, at a certain uh, income level, people are not so concerned about how much it's going to cost. It's not that they don't care. It's that they're not so much concerned about that. It, you know, how much is it going to cost? And how certain can I be that it's going to turn out right? And I'll be happy with it. And you'll, he'll stand behind that work. I'll be able to get them on the phone if there's ever an issue. For many people, when money has ceased to be their primary concern, you find that what's in second position is, will I have peace of mind if I have them do the work? And if the answer is yes, you're hired. And um, you don't even need to give a quote. You're, you're now when they again call their and again friends. And again. Yeah, and yeah. they call their friends and they say, hey, this guy is the guy you're going to call for that. They don't, they don't ask each other who would you know. They say, call this guy. Do not call anyone else. Call him. And, and by the way, number. they're referring that to another like customer. That's exactly it. So you've already, you've already bypassed. You've already found your next like customer. That's it. So let's piece that out a little bit because I mean that's huge. I mean th this is what all kind of work is done on is is a how do you charge a higher price? You know how do you, how do you communicate your level of competency or integrity or, or your value at the end of the day? Like how how was it for you? I mean I imagine at this point as we speak today, a lot of this is referral based, and you're getting the trust you've earned here is being transferred, you know, by referral, which is today. Yes. But going back, you know, before you had this level of uh, certainty with your customers. How did you communicate that? Well, you have to be it. Uh, and that sounds like an oversimplified thing to say, but you actually have to 
have integrity. That has to be more important to you than anything. You got to be the kind of guy that if it's your head or your buddy's head, you take the hit. He's, he's your electrical contractor. Things go south. You step in and you save his hide. You take the hit. You, you put your head on the chopping block. You sacrifice yourself. Now, if you've chosen well, this guy will never forget you, and you'll be repaid in spades down the road. But you'll suffer now. But I believe that's that's interesting. That's very much of a of a military concept. They teach that, right? I mean, leave, leave nobody I mean, behind. Trust yeah. and integrity in the military well, there, is paramount. Well, there, there there's a word there that we use with the military that. I kind of have a little bit of a working theory on. I won't get into here, but you just used it. The word sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So what role has sacrifice played in, in, in your small business? And I mean, what, what role did you, or, or did you see it as sacrifice maybe as a missionary uh, in, in that work? Retrospectively, maybe not in the time of doing any of, of these things we're discussing. What, what role has sacrifice played? Well, I don't think that I would normally have used that word in those terms. It seems a bit too glowing a way to describe it. But, you know, when you have your eyes set on a particular goal and you hold it as a very valuable achievement, this gain becomes possibly more important to you than almost anything else. Now, what will you do in order to achieve it? So, you know, for me in in business... I've definitely took taken the blow a couple a couple of times for uh, other guys and protected them. In the end, because I stepped in as a mediator and protected them, I actually had more power than they ever could have, because a mediator has more power than the actual person that he's representing. So. I began to realize that if you'd stick together as a team, if you'd watch out for each other, the mediator position often brought much better results. And so, so. you're doing that, but, but, but what you're saying, if, if I'm hearing you, is you're doing that not contingent upon anyone else agreeing to do that. No. Right. This, is, this doesn't have any uh, uh, contingencies to it. You're, that's just going to be your position. Right. They haven't paid your electrical contractor. They were supposed to pay them directly. You step in, you tell them, if, they, if I don't get the money for you from them, I will pay you. Don't you worry about it. Okay? And then you go to the people and you negotiate. So if they don't, if they don't cough it up, you, you do what you got to do, but you pay them. You take care of them. And, and then maybe a corollary on that is a lot of times we're willing to have someone come in and quote a job, and we'd be quite willing to pay them the job, uh, the, the price that they quote. We, we, we feel that that's a reasonable number. But uh, if you can come out better, uh, what's wrong with slapping an extra 100 bucks on the table? You know, in cash or whatever. Uh, so tipping and taking care of this guy, you know, do we consider that these guys appreciate us and they will do it for less for us? But then do we remunerate them for doing it for less for us? You know, they're investing in the relationship, are we? So that's good stuff. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, the principle. To me, it's a fundamental principle. You know, is to 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 go in with 
uh, not just your best interest at heart. I and mean, that's what you're saying here. What you're saying is we, we need to make this thing work for all parties involved. Uh, and, and unless you're paying attention to what's going on with all parties involved, you can't do that. And I, I do find that, uh, that oftentimes that people don't. They go in with their, where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. We see it all the time in the real estate business. We see it with, with real estate agents often where, you know, I think ultimately we are supposed to, as agents, act on the best interest of the owner of the property. The problem is we're not all educated with enough information to act on their best interest. So what do we do in, in real estate and what do we do in many other worlds? We sell what we know. We just and, and I would I would presume to say here that that maybe as the small business owners and anybody listening to the program here is that maybe this idea of integrity and realizing that it's okay to tell people what you don't know and advise them on what you, you can't advise them on. But when you, you expose yourself, maybe that's a, a greater entry into the cell than, than, than the hard sell yeah. of what you know. And that's all, you know, and I think we need to, to, to wrap, wrap up on that note. Travis, you got any final thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got a few more thoughts. Oh, let's get them wrap up here. So, so, that's scary. Uh, that's scary. <laughs> oh, oh, hopefully Steve's got uh, a few more hours. <laughs> Can't let this guy go. Guys, I'm sorry. We're trying to get y'all out of here, but you know, Travis yeah. got a couple uh, more this thoughts. This is this is for the uh, this is the premium. Okay, let's get the premium. premium. Premium edition. Okay. <laughs> Extra subscribership here. Would we be remiss for a man that spent two decades uh, in the jungle, so to speak? Don't um, be so crass. You're the one that keeps referring to it as in the jungle. <laughs> he, he's named two different areas. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to screw it up. In the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. jungle. We, got we got fun, fun and games. games. <laughs> we got everything you want. No, 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 no. Yeah. Welcome okay. to the jungle. Ah. All right, well, here we go. All right. All right. What role does Christianity play? Are, are in 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 you, you, all the topics that you're mentioning integrity sacrifice i mean what so so what role and you were a missionary i mean so so what role does god play in this idea you keep describing that your success here the formula is others before self right ultimately yeah, yeah. okay so i'll turn it loose there what, what role, what's the backdrop to all this? I can certainly say that God is the backdrop. He is the foundation. I'm, I suspect I'm probably one of the most confusingly unreligious people that most people will come across. And I think this is due partly or largely to the fact that I have views which are strongly informed by many different cultural viewpoints. I didn't just go there as a visitor. I incorporated into the culture. I got on the inside. I really saw it the way they saw it. And uh, so uh, my concept of who God is, what he's like, what his character is, uh, I don't necessarily communicate these things with a lot of 
uh, typical terminologies that, that you might hear. I'm familiar with them, but they don't interest me. Uh, but to kind of bring it down to maybe, uh, I don't know, to, to condense it down, for me it's, it's got to do with the fact that I believe there is a God. I believe that he is good. At, to his very core, he is above all. He's good. And that he always does what is fair and right. And at the end of the day, everything for me boils down to I cannot conceive of, of, a, of a situation where God would care more for me than he does my client or my subcontractor or employee or partners, friends. That's not possible. So therefore, I make the direct correlation then that if he, if he couldn't possibly care less for them than for me, that, that it's completely equal, then for me to operate in integrity means that I must treat them at least as equal in importance to me. Their needs are as equally important to, to them, to God, as they are to me. And this is what drives my very simple mechanism regarding integrity, is that God's watching out for this person. If I thought I could take advantage of them, he'd know, he'd care. And it's not about displeasing him. You know, so, so many times we've been raised with this concept that you don't want to make God unhappy. It's, for me, it's got nothing to do with making him un unhappy. I'm talking about God having a plan whereby he is within the man, living his life through the man very naturally, being God the way God wants to be in human form. So either I give him that opportunity or I don't. If I strip him of that opportunity, I'm the one that loses. Do you think this is the rub on American Christianity? Is, um, is the action piece of what you just described of, of God living through you, um, is the suppression of God living through you? Is, is that why so many people in their Christian walk, and maybe I'm speaking to people I know, I won't paint a broad brush, that there's a lack of enthusiasm, that it's raining today, I don't want to go to church, or, I mean, the, the, the bar that we're living with here, when we talk about church, I imagine is very different than a church environment that you were a missionary in. Um, so talk about that for a minute. I don't know how much this has to do with small business, but I'll be leaving and oh, I will talk to Steve yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah. so, it's so his backdrop. So I, I, I would like to hear about I mean, you have this very unique perspective um, of seeing both, I believe. So am I off base? And, and well, I, I think it's a fundamental human condition that performance makes me more pleasing, more valuable. It's just something that we all kind of believe, right? And the most difficult thing I believe you can ever do to any person is disabuse them of the idea that their performance, and, and I'm speaking of a high level of performance, a, a performance of, of quality, is 
somehow going to make them an acceptable person, a desirable person, uh, acceptable in the eyes of God or, or whatever. So what I'm saying is that by nature, the human being, regardless of the culture and language and backdrop of his entire life's experience, he is driven to do good so as to be approved of and to be accepted, to be loved, to, to deserve. And what I believe God has intended from the beginning is that man is not to be performing in order to please God, Man is to be in a relaxed state of acceptance where instead of asking God to do all the things that God's already been asking us to let him do, right? He's, he's asking us, just let me be me and let me do my thing and just let me use you the way that I want to use you. But I'm not going to strip you of your intellect, your reasoning process, so in this sense, you get to, to make all the decisions, really. I'm just asking you to be the, the, the living, breathing flesh upon the, the fundamental uh, skeleton, the, the, the mechanism. The ve- yeah, let, let me just use you. And we will swat and beat to the side. We'll, we'll, we'll beat it back. It's as if, though, we are, our programming is almost irreparably damaged will always go straight back to performing for God. So God will be happy with me and I will deserve benefits instead of relaxing into his arms and allowing God to be God through you the way he always intended it to be. So in swatting away what he offers, we don't do it in rebellion. We do it because of this twisted, faulty programming. But we get that from human nature. We get that from, yes. our, from our own relationships yes. and our own self-worth. We yes. do it every day in every other environment, so we apply it to God also. That's right. We're trying to find significance. Yes. And we do it through performance. Yes. And ultimately, we were talking about this yesterday. And my son in golf mm-hmm. performance ultimately is not a great measure. <laughs> it, it will let you down. Yeah. It will let you, you will not perform in some areas. Yeah. And if you're, if you're teeing yourself up with that being the measure you're, you're it's not, it's just going to fall. Yeah. And, and that alone sort of kind of, you know, supports your point here that, if if God was asking us to perform, yet in the in the in the in in, in, in any instance you could utilize that term, it, it doesn't work. Like we, it breaks down. But if we allow them to to go, to work through us and in us, and and I, I hadn't heard it say just relax and just you know, like, just let let it just be, let it come through. But uh, that's interesting. Well, so yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up here in a minute, but. In terms of how does that actually play out, um, so I mean, I, I could see folks listening to that to a degree and hearing, um, well, I'm relaxed, 
listening for God, and I don't necessarily understand what he wants me to do today, right? Or wants me to do in this situation. So what's what's my reference in that scenario? I, how would I know what to do or not do? How would you know what to do or not do? How, how would you know that this is kind of God moving in you to go, you know, kind of... Kind well, of it, it tells us, uh, you know, one scripture tells us that uh, people who don't have the law by nature do those things which are contained in the law. So by nature, we do what is lawful. You don't have to tell us what's wrong. You, and, and conversely, you, therefore, you don't really have to tell us what's right. We, we know what's wrong and we know what's right. So the question is, what's faith? Faith is being able to let go of the steering wheel, so, so to speak. I mean, I, I've, got a, I've got a Toyota Highlander. If, if you have a certain setting on, the thing will not steer out of its lane. It, you can let go of the, of the steering wheel, and every time it gets close to, uh, to the, the, the border lines, it steers back to the center. After enough of that, it will chime loudly and demand that you pull over and get a drink or take a nap. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, and, and it's like, can you let the car go? I actually had to practice because I, I'm used to driving. I'm driving this thing, you know, but I let go and I let it do its thing. And I found out, sure enough, it will always steer back into the lane. I turned mine off. You turned yours off. <laughs> and, and I did eventually, that's too. A con- that's a control issue. That's a control issue. Yeah, yes. 100%. <laughs> but, but just imagine if, if this car, you know, converting it across to God... Uh, imagine that absolutely everything that he would ever wish for you to do, love for you to do, and maybe change it up a little. Imagine that everything that he would ever love to do through you, all you have to do is let go. Lean backward, fall off the cliff. It's, it's thousands of feet to the bottom, but just... Cross your arms on your chest and fall backwards off the cliff. See, that's what it feels like because we think we've got to know what you do. What do I do next? What we don't realize is that the, the programming for all that is needed is the Spirit of God dwelling within you. He knows what to do. He knows what not to do. If you would just trust, let go, and enjoy life, bam, he takes over and he does all this stuff freely and you do the most good at the very times when you have absolutely no idea you were doing good. You're completely unaware of it, but you're in it. You're in the moment. You're enjoying it, but you're not trying to do it. It's just happening and you're the one acting, but somehow it's at the impulse of his will. Mm. Good stuff. That's good stuff right there. That's a whole nother, that's an hour. That, yeah, that goes into a, we, 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 that goes into another, another podcast, another podcast yep. right there. That's good stuff. Stephen Bovey, I want to thank for coming on to the show, High Trust Homes, uh, to our, our second show and our first name show. Travis, what's the name of our show? I don't know, but I trust him. C- c- come on now. It's the, the big 
truths it, about small, about business. small business. Now he says that because he knows I can't say truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I big. Mean, how, how's that? <laughs> it's the big truths of small business brought to you by the one and only. Come on. Yes, sirin. Yes, sirin. Yes, sirin. Property management. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye.